I want to go to the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, I'm just going to warn you now. I don't have anything that is uh, profound. I don't have anything that is mind-blowing. Of course, for me, when that happens, that's a really small explosion. But, but um, I don't have anything mind-blowing or even mind-boggling tonight. Just a simple message on my heart that I feel like the Lord has dealt with me for a few days now. In fact, in fact, Saturday I was I was preparing for uh, Sunday, just getting started to start preparing for Sunday and and um, started feeling this and just tried to feel after the Lord didn't feel like it's what he wanted for Sunday but it's it's been on my heart and um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to deliver the burden of my heart tonight you know it was it was right at a month ago uh, today's the 16th it was May the 17th I preached a message to this church uh, in which I compared three passages from Psalms and the messages that were found in those Psalms. And I did my best to show you that night that just because you have almost slipped, that doesn't mean you are altogether gone. Amen. And uh, tried to show that from the Psalms, comparing some Psalms. Tonight, tonight, I thought about it as, as I was working on this message that um, there are perhaps some things that will be reminiscent of the approach that I took that night. Although the message is not uh, the same, uh, the approach that I'm going to take tonight is somewhat similar. And so I ask that you bear with me. I want you to get your Bibles and I want you to turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And we're going to read another Psalm, but it's right there. We're going to also look at Psalm 43. And I'll explain um, in a few moments uh, why we're going to deal with these two Psalms back to back. Psalm 42, and I'm not, uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to read uh, all of it, though it's really a relatively short psalm. Well, I, I guess relative, I don't know. Relative to Psalm 119, it's short. Um, but uh, relative to Psalm 117, I guess you'd consider it long. So it's all relative, praise God. Um, for those who don't know, Psalm 117's only got two verses in it. And uh, Psalm 119's got a buku, whatever that is. That's a bunch. Hallelujah. Um, but anyhow, um, Psalm 42, I want to read. We're going to read a few verses out of this. We will basically deal with all of them um, as I lay my foundation here tonight. But um, by way of text, let's start with verse 1, and we will read verses 1 through 3, and 
And we're going to skip down a little bit through this chapter, so follow with me. Psalm 42, verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Now, I know you're standing, but I want you to get the picture of what he's saying. The idea and the concept that uh, David is dealing with here is that deer that has been chased, whether it's being hunted by man or hunted by another animal, that it has run until it is thoroughly exhausted. And that deer knows the only way it's going to be able to continue to run is if it can find some water. And a few drinks of water will give it the life, the strength, the stamina it needs to continue on as it's being chased. It is, it is running for its life. And, and David says, just like that deer that's being pursued and is longing, panting after the water brooks. God, I'm, I'm panting after you. I'm I, I, I need your help in this situation right now. I, I've got to have you right now. I'm, I'm not going to make it if you don't step in somehow. And help me. Give me a little bit of strength here, God. Give me a little bit of refreshment so I can move on. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he says, verse 2, My soul thirsteth for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, when will I finally find his presence again and be able to rest there in the safety of his arms? Amen. Verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Do you get the... The feeling that David's expressing here. You understand his, his desperation as he's crying out in Psalm 42. And, and saying, God, I'm, I'm like a hunted deer. And, and the only thing I've been able to eat for days now is my own tears. That's, that's all I've had. And, I, and, and, and even those that are pursuing me are mocking me. Wanting to know where is this God you've talked about. Because he sure doesn't seem to be helping you right now. So then verse 6 he says, oh my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. And of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Now, now again, I don't, want to, I don't want to say too much. But I want you to get the picture my soul is cast down. And I'm trying, God, I'm trying to remember you. I'm trying to keep my mind on you, but my soul is cast down. Verse 9, he says, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God, don't you remember where I am? Ever felt that way? Verse 10, as with a sword in my bones, 
mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Oh, what a dilemma David is in. What a situation. And we're going to talk about what this situation was. And then Psalm 43. Psalm 43. He says, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp. Will I praise thee, O God, my God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Hallelujah. And I'll announce my title in just a few moments. Amen. I want us to put our Bibles down. I want us to pray. And ask the Lord to speak to us and to speak to everybody listening tonight. I really feel like the Lord's wanting to talk to somebody tonight. Let's, let's, let's talk to him right now. name let's praise him everybody one more time before you're seated can you give God some praise in this house come on let's lift our voices in worship let's let him know how much we love him let's let him know how wonderful he is to us praise God praise God hallelujah amen amen now I hope you've you may be seated I hope you've still got your Bible open Psalm 42 and 43 we're going to do a little expository teaching slash preaching tonight as we look at these two psalms and compare them together. It is, let me say first of all about Psalm 42, that it is generally thought by most scholars that Psalm 42 was written by David when he was driven from Jerusalem by Absalom's rebellion. When Absalom drove him from Jerusalem and David had to abandon his throne, amen, as uh, his own son turned against him. And, and here he goes in, uh, in this situation and having to deal with all of this. And, and so David, you know, David spent years running from Saul and, and, and he had spent years hiding out in caves and doing his best to not touch King Saul, just let things 
happen as they would. And, and then he had years of peace sitting on the throne and God blessed him and the kingdom grew and expanded. And now all of a sudden here he is running for his life again. Much older now, not nearly as agile, not nearly as full of strength and vigor as he was when he fled from Saul. Amen. And David was running for his life. That kind of helps you to understand why he's saying as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Uh, oh God, uh, they're hot on my trail again. Uh, they're trying to destroy me again, God. Uh, I, I, I can't see my way through this if you don't step in uh, and help me somehow. Amen. And then Psalm 43. Psalm 43. This psalm is evidently a continuation of the preceding psalm. And um, in fact, there are a number of ancient manuscripts that actually put Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 in the same psalm. Because they are so much alike, because it's obvious they have the same author, they deal with some of the same topics, that, uh, that there are those who felt like that this should just be one continual psalm. There was what one man called the sameness of subject. The similarity of composition, the return of the same burden in both. Amen. And that is what they provide as their evidence that they should be the same. But although these two Psalms carry so much of the same subject and they are so similar in their composition and they deal with the same burden, there does appear to me to be a very significant difference between the two. In Psalm 42, as we have read to you, David is in trouble. He is in distress. He is in despair. And he is appealing to God to help him. But I'm telling you that throughout the chapter, it just never seems to help. It just never seems, amen, to stir the heart of God enough to step in and do something about it. Now let me just show you, David's praying throughout Psalm 42. Let's read verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my I soul in me. I pour out my soul in me. me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the, house of, went God, to the house of God. And with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy days. God, I've tried everything. I even went to church hoping that would help me. And you know, in, in, the, in, in, in a, uh, the previous message, we talked about how Asaph, that's what turned things around from him, was getting back to the house of God. David said, I even tried that. I've tried everything. Read verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. He's trying to encourage himself. And in the night his song shall be with me. Yes. And my prayer unto the God of my life. My prayer unto the God of my life. Verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him 
Who is the health of my countenance and my God? I'm telling you, I, I, I may be reading something into this that's not there, but Brother Goff, as I read the entire psalm here of Psalm 42, it looks to me like when David closes here in verse 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul, that it really is a cry of despair, almost despondency. It, it seems like David says, I've tried everything to get God's attention, but I just can't seem to get it. I'm trying, but he just doesn't seem to listen. Let me, let me show you. Now, that's, that's those three verses. He talks about how he prays, how he worships, how he's trying to get God's attention. But look at the other verses. Verse 3. My tears have been my, my meat, day, my and meat night, day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? And verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast my down soul within is me. Cast down within Therefore, me. I will remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and of the hill Mizar. I'm trying to stir up some memories to try to get a hold of something. And then verses nine and ten. I will say unto God, my I rock. Say to God, my rock. Why hast thou why forgotten me? Have you forgotten me? Why go I mourning why because of the do oppression? Do I have to continue to mourn of my because enemy. of the oppression of my enemies? As with a sword in my bone, like a sword in my bone. My enemies reproach me. They reproach me while they say daily they unto say me, daily to me, where is thy God? Do you see what I'm telling you, David? David intersperses this with with the fact that I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm going to church, but I'm just not getting where I need to get, and I don't know where God is, and I don't know what God. Done it. And, and I'm telling you, it sounds like David is at a place he's just about ready to just hang it up. Right. Now, although Psalm 43 continues much of the same terminology and complaint, it appears to me, and again, maybe I'm reading more into it than what's there, but as I read Psalm 43, I see this as something altogether different. I see the whole tone of this as being different than the first one. Let's read it. It's only five verses long. Read it for me again, Brother Goff. Judge me, O Judge God, me, o God, and plead my cause, plead my cause against an ungodly against an nation. nation. O deliver me deliver from the deceitful, from and, the unjust deceitful man. and unjust man. For thou art the God, of my, strength. The God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Uh -huh, Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Uh -huh. now, o now, now listen, there's two different ways to say, Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? Why am I having to go through this? Or the other way is saying, Hey, wait a minute. Why am I going around mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemies. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm seeing as I read Psalm 43. Read on. Oh, send out thy light, oh, send and, out thy thy light and thy truth. Let them, Let lead, them me. lead me. Let them bring, Let them bring me into the hole, to the holy, holy hill, and, and to, to the tabernacles. tabernacles. Read. Then will I go unto the, go to the altar of God, unto God, my, God exceeding my exceeding joy. joy. Yea, upon I'm going to get my harp out thee. again. Oh, I'm going to praise thee. Oh, God, my God. Why Read. art thou cast down, O my soul? And then again, I think he's saying, hey, wait a minute, soul. Why are you feeling so sorry for yourself? Right. Why are you cast down now, soul? And why are you That's disquieted within me? me? Hope in Here's God. your answer. Hope in God. For I because yet I am God going to praise him. Who is the He's the of health of my countenance and, my and he is my God. 
I'm telling you, there may be some who think these two Psalms should be written as one, but I'm gonna tell you the way I see it. I see Psalm 43 as the sequel to Psalm 42. Amen. You know what a sequel is. When a writer writes a story, amen, and he leaves you hanging at the end, but then he decides, I'm gonna write another one. I'm gonna tell you the rest of that story. I'm gonna write a second book to all of this. And what I see is David was feeling sorry for himself. David was discouraged. David was about ready to give up and he wrote his psalm. But a little bit of time passes, Brother Nelson, and all of a sudden, David says, hey, wait a minute. Where's my pen? I gotta write something else. I'm not finished. I may have written the first book and it may have been a book of discouragement. It may have been a book of despair. But I'm gonna write a sequel and this one's gonna be different. This one's coming out with a different ending than what the first one came out with hallelujah Amen. I'm telling you many times a, a story's sequel can change the overall picture for one or more of the characters Oh, hallelujah. How many times have you read a novel anxious for the ending so you can see how the author rectifies all the problems and then when you get to the end, he still leaves you hanging. And and you're saying, wait a minute, you didn't resolve this and you didn't settle this and you didn't explain this? Well, you know what he's doing. He's, He's getting you hung right there because he fully intends to write a sequel. He's gonna give you the rest of the answers in the second book, hallelujah. In the next verse, that comes out he's going to deal with everything that he failed to deal with the first time hallelujah well praise God hallelujah stay with me here for just a few moments as I thought about this I thought about amen Luke amen the great beloved physician amen I thought about what he did in his writing let's let's look at this Luke chapter 1 amen verses 1 through 3 read for as much as many have taken in ham to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us uh-huh even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very very first, first. To write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. And so Luke decided, I, I know a thing or two about the life of Jesus. I've talked to the people who were the main characters in this story. I've, I've spent time with them. I've, I've interviewed them. I've gotten all my notes together. And, and I just feel led of the Holy Ghost to set everything in order and, and write this story about the life of Jesus and those who followed him. And he dedicated it to Theophilus. Now, we don't know if Theophilus is a real person. We don't know. uh, 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 What we do know is that name Theophilus is a compound uh, Greek word. And we've talked about these compound words. But but to to break it down, what you've got here is Theos, which is God, and Phileo, which is love. And so Theophilus means lover of God. 
So Luke is writing his gospel to the lover of God. And he said, I want to tell you the story about this man, Jesus Christ, and about those that he handpicked. And I want to tell you what happened while he walked the earth, oh, lover of God. Amen. And so he did. He told the story. Oh, what details. Amen. I just finished reading the, 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 the entire gospel of Luke over the last couple of days. Amen. And, and, and I'm telling you, he tells the whole story. He goes into details. Other gospels writers don't tell. He talks about things that others don't talk about. He sets it forth. Uh, amen. As a physician would. Uh, he gives us everything. Uh, but he focuses on Jesus. Uh, he talks about the disciples. Uh, he mentions them. He names them. Uh, he talks a little bit about them. But let me show you how he ends book one. Luke 24 verses 50 to 53. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. Uh -huh. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and yes. carried up into heaven. Yes. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, wait a minute. Did you hear that? Luke concluded the gospel story by saying Jesus leads his disciples out and he ascends into heaven and they just go back to Jerusalem praising God. Okay, well, that's nice. I mean, it's a beautiful story, don't get me wrong, but, but as far as the disciples are concerned, all we know in book one is they watched him go up, and so then they spent time in the temple praising God. That's all we know. So Luke gets to feeling something in his spirit, and he says, you know what? I didn't really leave that story the way I needed to. I, 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 got, I got some more here I need to. And so he picks up the pen again. And Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he says this. The former treaties I have I made, yeah, the former Theophilus, narration, the former story I've given to you, O lover of God. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Yeah, I, I told you the story of what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. But that's not the end of this story. There's much more to be told here. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So we skip down to verses 9 to 11. And when he had spoken these things, yes. while they beheld, yes. he was taking up. So here he goes. He's taken up. And this is cloud, where he left off in book one. He was taken up. And a cloud received him cloud out of their sight. Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, steadfastly as he went up. Toward heaven. Now behold, he didn't tell us this in the first book. Are you still with me? He didn't give us this detail in the first book. But he's got to set the stage now and say, hey guys, I didn't quite tell you everything the first time around. I want to make sure you don't miss any of this. Uh, amen. So while they're standing there looking steadfastly toward heaven... Behold, Something happened. Behold, two, two men, men stood by them stood by in white them apparel. In white apparel, read. which also said, and they you, said men of Galilee, "You men of Galilee, why stand you why gazing up into stand heaven? You here gazing up into heaven." You know that reminds me of how he ended the story in book one. They just watched him go up, and they started praising him, and they spent their time praising him. And Luke said, "You know that really doesn't do it justice." Let me the rest of the story here amen the angel said hey guys don't stand here gazing you don't want to stick around here and let this be where the story ends read this same, this same Jesus, Jesus which is which taken, is up, taken from up from you, from you into, into heaven, heaven shall he's so going to come, come in like back manner, in like manner as, as you've you have seen, seen him go, go and so heaven. Luke then begins to detail again all 
know the disciples didn't just wander off into the sunset uh, amen skipping around and praising God once in a while but something happened amen something transformed them and they quit standing around gazing and started doing things that were amazing hallelujah I'm telling you there was a complete change in the sequel it's a different story in the sequel oh hallelujah praise God now let me tell you a little bit about this message tonight you know I had this happen to me I don't even remember when it was sometime back I was going through some old notes and files and stumbled across a piece of paper and uh was blown away by what was written down and ended up coming up and preaching to this church from notes that I'd taken years and years before. And uh, so here we are again. And I was just going through some old files and uh, I had written something down. In fact, I dated it, Brother Goff, before some of you were born. March the 23rd, 1998 my wife and I were on a flight and when I went to sit down the person in the seat next to me had a book open now I did not make note of the title of the book the author I don't have any idea about anything in that book except what what stood out to me and what I wrote in that note was this that whatever book she was reading the title of the chapter was across the page. And the title of the chapter said this, Writing Your Own Sequel. Now again, I have no idea what the book is. have no idea what it says. I don't, I don't have any idea anything about it. All I know is when I saw that little note the other day, something started churning in my heart. Amen. I started thinking, amen, how many times have we grown to just settle for where we are at the moment? We're ready. We figure the book is over. We figure it's all been closed. It's been written to its fullest. There's nothing else to look forward to. There's nothing else to hope for and I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit tonight is to tell somebody it's time to write your own sequel it's time for you to make up your mind I'm not stopping here I'm not staying here I got a rest another story that I've got to tell devil you may have thought you had me you may have thought I was down and out but I'm telling you I'm picking up the pen again my story's not finished my story's not over I'm not ending it right here book two is about to come out oh hallelujah 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 when David's own son rose up against him and tried to overthrow the throne. 
David had every right to feel discouraged and he was for a while I'm telling you amen but once David pinned his discouragement in Psalm 42 it didn't take long for him to realize I can't leave the readers hanging like this I can't let them come to the conclusion that this is the way God does his people I can't let the readers think that God's going to ignore us when we're in times of trouble I got to write a second book I've got to write a sequel I've got to put something else down on paper I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself I'm tired a man of trying a man to just go around with my head hanging down I'm telling you I know there's a God in heaven and I know he's going to help me I know he's going to come to my rescue I know he's going to pick me up I know he's going to turn things around Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, the Bible is filled with stories that if we ended them at a certain point, we'd have a book full of failures. We would. We'd have a whole book full of failures. But this is what I love about the Bible. You know, a lot of times when authors write stories, they try to make their heroes almost angelic. And God didn't do that. God tells us about the fallacies, the weaknesses, the problems, the bad attitudes, the sharp tongues. God tells us. He just shows us. But he doesn't show us so we can pattern our life over the bad things. He shows us so we can know that in each of those situations, there was always a sequel. There was always a second story. And God reached down to that person with the bad attitude or the sharp tongue, amen, or the sinful nature. And God turned them around and God made something valuable out of them. And I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I'm telling you, quit listening to the voice of discouragement. Quit listening to the voice of the devil. Quit letting him tell you you'll never be any more than what you are right now. Quit letting him tell you this church is not going any farther than where we are right now. I'm here to preach tonight. There's a sequel. That's it in the works. Uh, There's a sequel that's coming. Oh Lord. I got so many verses here. I don't have time to get to them. Because I want us to have time. Amen. To do a little writing tonight before we're done. Hallelujah. Amen. So I can give you verses. We can read them. And normally I would, but I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can just summarize. All right, and Exodus chapter two tells the story of a man, a man that when he was grown, he was raised in a palace. And when he was grown, he was walking out one day, and he saw an Egyptian smiting one of his fellow Hebrews, and he got to feeling pretty tough. You know, after all, I mean, he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, he was somebody. Hey, if you've got grandkids, you understand how Moses probably felt. His grandpa's Pharaoh. I mean, that's the way he was raised. 
for all intents and purposes. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, you know, somebody abuses Moses, he just goes running to grandpa. Now, he was 40 years old at this time. And I don't know if he just kind of had it in him that because of the way he's raised, if, 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 he, if he thought of himself that I'm going to be a leader, or if there was that feeling deep in his spirit that, that he knew God's hand was on him, I, I don't know exactly why he did what he did. But he stepped up and decided, I'm going to put an end to this abuse. And he killed the Egyptian. He went back home feeling pretty smug. And the next day he's walking out and he sees two, two Hebrews fighting. And he said, I don't know, guys, don't do that. And one of them said, oh, you're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he said, whoop, wait a minute. If Pharaoh finds out I killed an Egyptian, Pharaoh knows I'm a Hebrew. I got a feeling this whole grandpa thing is going to wear really thin, really quick. And I'm telling you, Moses fled. At 40 years old, he failed. He failed. He went out and took things into his own hands, and he failed. And then, you know what he did for 40 years? He was a shepherd on the backside of nowhere. Are you following with me? This man had spent 40 years as a somebody. And then he spent 40 years as an absolute nobody. The only, the only thing listening to him were the sheep. Well, he didn't have authority with anybody. What a sad story that this man that God had chosen to be a leader is now 80 years old and he's got nothing to show for his life except a criminal record. 80 years old and God had great plans. But the beautiful thing about it is there was a sequel. The story didn't end on the backside of the desert. Hallelujah. Amen. Something changed. And one day he's out there and he notices a flame and it catches his attention and he starts drawing closer and a voice speaks to him and said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And I'm telling you right then was the introduction to book two of Moses' life. He did not die at 120 as a nobody. Amen. I'm telling you, God still had plans for him. God was still writing his story. There was a sequel to Moses life and I'm preaching to somebody I don't care who you are I don't care how old you are I don't care how young you are I don't care where you've been I don't care what you've done I'm telling you you can make up your mind right now that with the help of God there's going to be a sequel what I've written so far is not the end of my story what I've said so far is not the last words that I'm going to be remembered for hallelujah I'm going to get a sequel written I'm going to change things it's going to be different amen, amen. Yeah. I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying hallelujah amen 40 years as a somebody 40 years as a nobody and then his last 40 years God showed him what he could do with a nobody 
Hallelujah. And Moses became the great leader and liberator of the nation of Israel. God performing miracles at his hand. God talking to him face to face. The glory of God shining on him so much, he'd have to wear a veil. That's a different story, friend. That's a different story than the Moses we've read about up until then. Well, praise God. I could talk to you tonight about Saul of Tarsus, a man who's persecuting the church, a man who's standing there consenting unto the death of a young apostolic preacher. He's holding the coats of those that are slaying a man of God, a man with an anointing, a man with a burden, a man with a passion, a man with a vision. And Saul could have ended his story, amen, as the great persecutor, but he didn't. He ended his story as the great apostle. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, something happened on the Damascus Road. Book two was written in the life of Saul. Amen. He even changed the name of the character. And he said, I may be the same guy in this body, but something's different about me. I'm not what I used to be. God has made a change, and things are going to be different from this day forward. fact uh, get for me second corinthians 4 verses 8 9 i'm telling you it wasn't just his conversion paul went through so many things they left him for dead he was shipwrecked he was beaten imprisoned and it would have been very easy for paul to just throw in the towel and say i give up it's just not worth it it's just costing me too much. It's just not worth it. But let me tell you what he said. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are troubled on every side, yet mm-hmm. not distressed. Yeah. We are perplexed, We're perplexed but not in despair. But not in despair. Persecuted, Persecuted, but not forsaken. But not forsaken. Cast, Cast down, down, but not, but destroyed. not destroyed. I'm going to tell you, in other words, Paul's saying, God did it once, he'll do it again. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what happens in my life. I don't care how bad it gets. I know how to abound. I also know how to be abased. I know how to have plenty. I know how to have nothing. It doesn't matter. What I do know is that today is not the end of my story. God is going to write another chapter. God is going to add a sequel to where I'm at right now. Come on, child of God. I'm telling you, you may feel down. You may be confused. You may be discouraged, but this is not the end. This is not the end. And of course, and I am, I'm, I'm skipping over all these verses, but of course, how could I talk about writing a sequel without talking about the prodigal son? You talk about a sequel. This boy, so arrogant, so stuck on himself, so conceited. He didn't care about anybody. He went to his daddy who had worked hard all of his life to amass a great ranch, build a fortune. His dad had worked hard to build what he had. And one day, this arrogant 
Uh, well, if I'm not careful, I'm starting to feel the spirit of Elder Westberg on me. This punk. I heard him say that many times. This punk walks up to his own daddy and says, I'm not waiting for you to die. Give me my inheritance today. What a sad story if that's where it ended. In fact, it gets sadder because he goes out and tries to buy friends. And that's fine as long as you got the money to do it. But after a while, the money runs out. And then those friends you bought, they're for sale, but you can't afford them anymore. And they're going to find somebody that can. And all of a sudden, he's got nobody, and he's got nothing. And then a famine hits. And then he finds himself in the worst possible condition for a Jewish boy. He's feeding swine, unclean animals. They're not even allowed to touch them as Jews. And here he is. And he's not only feeding them, Brother Goff. This boy is so hungry that he's looking at the slop. Now, some of you city slickers, you don't know anything about slopping hogs. I hadn't slopped a lot of them, but I, we did have one, one little pig we, we raised, and I, I did slop her a time or two. Slapped her a few times, too, probably. But, uh, Anyhow, I've seen it done. I've watched it. And it's not a pleasant practice. It stinks. Those pig pens stink. They're filthy. The stench can turn your stomach. Hallelujah. And he's not only feeding them. He's so hungry. He's eyeing that slop and saying, man, that looks appetizing. Oh, I'd sure like some of that to eat. Now, wouldn't that be a sad way to end your life story? And unfortunately, that is where some people end theirs. They just close the book and say, I can never get out of this. But not this boy. The Bible says he came to himself. And he said, wait a minute. You know, even the hired servants at my father's house are living better than I am. I don't deserve to be my daddy's son, but if he'll just give me a job, I'll take the lowest paying job he's got. One thing about it is daddy wasn't raising any pigs. Now, he might have had some sheep, and they get pretty stinky too. But he didn't have any pigs. We know he had cows because he killed the fatted calf. I don't know what all animals he raised on that farm. But the son said, I don't care what task he wants from me. He's going to treat me better than I'm being treated right now. This is not where my story ends. My story doesn't end in this pig pen. 
my story doesn't end in this big pen. And you know what happened. He went back. Daddy saw him, came running, fell on his neck. And that wasn't the end. Hallelujah. His story did not end in a pig pen. Brother Jared, it ended at a party. Hallelujah. Daddy said, bring out the best. Give him the best clothes. Bring out the best food. It's party time. He went from the pig pen to the party. What a way to end the story. I'm telling you, he wrote a sequel. He said, I'm not finishing in that pig pen that's not the way it's going to be told about my life come on somebody I'm preaching to you tonight I'm doing my best to help you it's time for you to get out of that old pig pen quit wallowing in your self pity and say I'm writing a new story tonight I'm picking up the pen I'm writing the introduction I'm beginning down a new path something's going to happen that's going to change the outcome Musicians come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Moses' story didn't end in defeat. Saul's story didn't end as a persecutor. The prodigal story didn't end in a pig pen. David's story did not end with discouragement. And I'm telling you, wherever you're at at this moment, your story doesn't have to end right here. Oh, hallelujah. You can always start a new book. You can always start writing a sequel. This is how it's going to change. From this moment forward, it's going to be different. I can't change what's in book one. I can't go back and edit what's already been published. But I tell you what I can do. I can change the next book. It doesn't have to read same story, second verse. It can read new story, first verse. Hallelujah. Things are going to be different. I'm going to make a change. I'm coming out of this. I'm getting on top of this. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? I'm going to trust in God. He's my strength. He's my help. Rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy. Because when I fall, if book one ends and I have fallen, Brother Goff, all I got to do is write book two. I shall arise. If book one ends with me sitting in darkness, that's not the end, Sister Reba. I'm going to write book two. And the Lord is going to be a light to me. Oh, I feel like I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. I feel like I came with a word of hope for somebody in this place tonight. God wants to help you write a brand new story. God, quit worrying about the wasted years. Quit worrying about everything that's been published. It's time. It's time for a new chapter. It's time for a new book. It's time, amen, for the sequel to begin tonight.